In this episode, it's a bleak midwinter with some post-apocalyptic books right before the holidays. From a very crass, very angry Santa to a wasteland filled with cannibals, we've got a bunch of number ones that may or may not put you in the holiday spirit. It's all happening now on Cover B. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Cover B. It is the week before Christmas week. Ho, ho, It is. Ho. We are ripe in the holiday season. Season, whatever holiday you celebrate or ignore, whichever, <laughs> whichever you feel. I hope everybody's having a good holiday season. I maybe hope. you celebrate more than one. Maybe yeah, you're. Hey. Maybe you dabble in a few of the holidays. If I could... If I could justify it, I would celebrate every holiday because I love holidays. I agree. Yeah. It's mostly an excuse to eat food and give <laughs> things to people that make them happy. And ultimately, that's all I want out of life anyway. Uh, so I think we should all celebrate all the holidays. That's what I think. Yeah, I agree. Um. Pretty cool week for comics. This week we had some good stuff coming out from all different kinds of angles. Uh, first one I wanted to talk about is uh, Post Americana. Uh, this is by Steve Scrochy. Scrochy? I think Scrochy. I really need to start looking up I names. Assume, <laughs> I assume it would take on the same, like, like syllabic expectations as Croce, as like Jim Croce. Yeah. Anyway, Post-Americana, this is from the same, I believe it's the exact same team. It's at least the same writer as uh, Maestros, which was a book that came out a few years back that I oh, loved. Okay. Um, and I love this one. Um, <laughs> I just, it's, the style in it is like gritty and dirty and weird it's got like rick and morty vibes it's got like super jail vibes at times it's yeah. very like gonzo and bombastic uh and it's you know it's another post-apocalyptic story and there's a lot of similarities to other post-apocalyptic stories but this one just kind of has its own sort of like edge um yeah. its own sort of like tongue-in-cheek nature uh and i dig it i like this book I did too. I it's it's cool the way that they laid it out because they start the book with like a very uh, serious tone of like a political speech and like a guy talking, and then once you actually get into the meat of the book, the tone is literally the exact opposite yeah. of that. Yeah. And so like there's this really strong dynamic shift between like your introduction to the book and like what you anticipate is actually going to be the book. And I really enjoyed it because it's such a strange shift from this, like every word is a third, like a three syllable word. And it's very highfalutin and very political and very like highbrow. And then all of a sudden you've got like this weird gang, like post-apocalyptic gang leader being this like total goober. Yeah. And you're like, Oh yeah. Then you transfer over to, you transfer over to a <laughs> gang of bandits run by a dude who they call FF, which literally stands for the flying effer. <laughs> it's so and silly. It's a huge tonal shift. It's and very it's, uh, strong. It's cool. This is a mature book. Obviously there's a lot of gore, uh, a lot of violence, sexual themes, that kind of thing. Uh, but it, it was fun. This is a fun book. I'm excited to read this one and it's got a fine story. Like the, the thrust of the story doesn't really 
hit home. We, I mean, we don't know enough about the characters yet to really like know, but it's, it's kind of fallout esque in that there's like a city underneath a mountain that is kind of like the reserves of the before world. Right. Yep. And then there's like a, the wasteland. And we don't know what happened to cause a wasteland. We don't know what even much about the wasteland. We've only seen like a teeny bit of it so far, but it does feel like this is going to be one of those kind of like journeying across the wasteland and experiencing all of it kind of stories. Um, you know, and the, the people inside that city are, have plans for the wasteland and they're not, they're not really good people. They're kind of like the enclave. They remind me of the enclave from fallout. The like remnants of the U S government being jerks. Um, and the money people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, so it's, it, the story itself isn't very like wowzers. Um, at least at the get go, the characters are fine and fun. Uh, the lead chick is a badass. And so it's a, going to be exciting seeing like what her story is but we just don't know much about him yet yeah but that said even then even without that kind of stuff hooking me um man i'm sold on this book <laughs> i'm just so sold on this book and i knew i would be i saw the cover like a long time ago when it was first solicited and i'm like damn i'm gonna like that book <laughs> And I really liked Maestro's, so it's no surprise. Maestro's yeah. is one of my favorites. I love Maestro's. Hey, at Such least a good you're read. consistent. Yeah, hey. <laughs> good job, Steve. I'm sorry if I butchered your last name. <laughs> all right, so next on the docket, I gotta say, all of the books this week were kind of bleak. Yeah, it was not a very uplifting no, week. No, it was true. a really bleak week for being right before the holidays. I was like, what? is happening and we'll talk later the last book that we're talking about <laughs> about ruin my childhood yeah, but um the sec- the first book that i want to talk about was a- the king and black the immortal hulk tie-in that al ewing did um with aaron cooter which the art in this book is amazing there's no dialogue yeah it's in a the silent entirety book, of which the book is cool. um and so the entire story it I haven't been reading the Immortal Hulk, um, but they provide a little bit of context in the beginning, and it's effectively that the only you know, um, uh, I'm blanking on personality. The Hulk's name, the real, the guy, Bruce. Bruce. I kept wanting to call him Edward Norton. <laughs> the only Edward <laughs> Norton left. My brain kept being like, "What is happening? That is not." He's not even the Hulk anymore. It's Mark <laughs> yeah. Ruffalo. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Poor but Mark Ruffalo. I couldn't I couldn't pull it out. Anyway, Bruce is gone and yeah. this the main Hulk is gone. So the only Hulks that are left are Joe Fixit and the very childish one. The the one Savage Hulk. Yeah, the one who's basically yeah. is like he's basically just like an infant child in this He's giant the body. yeah, he's the I think <clears throat> I think he's the original Hulk. He's the Hulk who doesn't really talk. He's not very smart, not very confined, like controlled. Yeah, they call he's, him childlike, which yeah, yeah. is an accurate description. Um, and because of all of the things that he has been through, he's no longer like beef, muscly, you know, yeah, straying kinda, Hulk. Kind of scrawny. He's scrawny. He long. He lanky. He's still tall, but he just. I mean, and I would still say he's strong. Yeah, but he's just Maybe not as strong. And he doesn't yeah. look. He doesn't look all puffy anymore yeah yeah. um so effectively this goes through his first encounter 
with the one of the venom or null kind of symbiote monsters that comes to earth um right at the beginning of the attack um from mm-hmm. null and the dragons and it takes place like right on christmas-ish like a couple days before and it's just it shouldn't be because it's the Hulk and Null and symbiotes and fighting and scary violence, but it's like the sweetest damn thing. It's kind of adorable. It's yeah. so cute in its own weird jacked up way. And like well, and it's, the it's, way the personalities and Hulk take care of each other. Yeah. Is, oh, it's so cute. I think my, my favorite thing is just how quickly it, transitions from like absolute body horror to like oh yeah <laughs> like so fast and it's like it, it's kind of grotesque and weird and mm-hmm. there's instances where people die and it's like it, it's it's not good but at the same time like the ending resolution in such a bleak scenario like with how jacked up everything is with the null situation and the fact mm-hmm. that you know Black Cat, basically, she had a one-shot come out that was also a tie-in for King and Black, and that one pretty much confirmed that, Well, like, that was the start of a new series that wasn't a one-shot, well, but... it's tied into the yeah. thing, but um, her... That book basically confirmed that, like, everyone on the front lines is now a prisoner oh, yeah. of Null. Yeah. Period. Um, King and Black is not going well. No, it's not going good. Um... So there's all this horrible stuff happening in the background. And so then to have just like this weird, sweet Christmas tie-in and with the Hulk and it's like childlike personality Hulk. And just, I don't know. It was yeah. really cute and it's, endearing and the art made it even more so. And I was like, it was, oh. it was nice because <laughs> like in these, in these big tie-in events and I feel like, Every time there's a tie-in, like tie-in going on, I'm just constantly talking about like, here's how you do tie-ins. Like I freaking know, <laughs> um, but like with tie-ins, like with these big crossover events, and you have these tie-ins, you use the tie-ins narratively to either say how a character that is important to the story got to be there, or how a character that inevitably the fans are going to be like. Why didn't the Hulk just punch Noel in the dong? Uh, <laughs> you explain what's going on with them and why they're not a part of it. You know what I mean? Like what happened the to equation. them and why aren't they involved? Yeah. Um, and this was it's it's refreshing to have one of those that is basically just there to serve a purpose. You know what I mean? It's yep. a means to an end. It's here's why the Hulk's not involved. For those of you who haven't been reading Immortal Hulk. Yes, Immortal Hulk is happening in tandem to King and Black. And Hulk, this is what he's dealing with. Don't ask us questions about the Hulk, you know? Leave it alone. Um, To have that actually be like a fun read. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, not that I don't enjoy reading the crossovers. I do. I really do enjoy reading the crossovers. I read all the tie-ins so that I know if I can bring them back here and talk to you guys about them. But... um, but I enjoy reading them. But this one was just kind of a delightful book. It was really well yeah. done. The art was cool. I loved, I really hope this sets a precedence for what the null symbiotes do to people. Because at one point there's two cops that get like merged into one null symbiote. And it's freaky deaky. Yeah, it's it is messed really up. messed up. Um, 
And I just, I want that to be, I really want there to be more body horror. That's all I want. Yeah. It's a big, big fan of like old school body horror movies. It's true. It's true. We are a thing. We are a thing household. Yeah. (laughs) I just, um, so cool. Um, And I mean, that's what they're doing. Like Immortal Hulk is a body horror piece. Like there's some freaky stuff that happens in the pages of that book. I'm so sad I'm not reading it. Like (laughs) I still kick myself that I never really, but I can't find a good jumping on point. I keep trying, like I'll flip through a book and I'm like, I don't know what's (laughs) happening. It's such a expansive story arc that Al Al Ewing has been making. Um, But this one was really, really cool and it was fun and had a Christmassy vibe to it. You know, it was it was good. And you don't even have to know much about the Hulk personalities no. to really understand what's going on. You don't have to know like, oh, that's Joe Fix It. That's why he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's no dialogue. There's no like really expanding story here. It's just Hulk turned into man, turned back into Hulk. Here's story, you know? Yeah, that's and it. It's, it's cool. It was fun. It was I, fun I really enjoyed it. Um. So the next one is called Shit Show number one and i apologize for your virgin ears because <laughs> you're, you're going to hear a shit show a lot <laughs> um this one i thought it was going to be I, I thought it was strange because it was it's from scout um and it kind of looked and seemed like it was going to be like scumbag um but it's not because it's about superheroes yeah so it's effectively telling the story of uh group of superheroes who had a big crossover event justice league big event kind of type thing happen a crisis if you yeah, were a big crisis happen uh and they lost yeah bad. or they won barely but lost a lot in winning um and we pick up with the uh the superman stand in uh and he's now just like a useless drunk um and it's, you know, it's just even from talking about it and from explaining it to you, it might not seem like it's something very, like, extraordinary. We, yeah. We've seen down and out superheroes. We've seen, like, oh, look at this drunk superhero kind of stories. Um, but I don't know. They they seem to have, like, a rich universe that they're building. It's a bunch of new superheroes. None of them really had any powers that were like, whoa, that's a new power. Uh, but it, I, I don't know something about this book. It just kind of had a good vibe. Like it kind of had a cool vibe. It didn't, it didn't seem like it was taking that whole like drunk superhero motif and being like, we're going to take something that's usually innocent and bastardize it for you. It was like, actually there was like emotion there of this superhero dealing with some trauma. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dealing with loss and dealing with, you know, figuring out his place in the world. Um, and moving through that, you know what I mean? It felt very much to me, and I think this is why I liked it so much. It felt like if you used an Uno reverse card on Batman. <laughs> and I know that's such a weird thing, but let me let me explain. Yeah, I'm going to need some explanation. Let me explain on my context here. You have a hero who goes through trauma to become not a hero, which mm-hmm. is the reverse of Batman. Batman okay. went through yeah, trauma yeah. to become yeah, yeah. a hero. I gotcha. And not, they both deal with their trauma differently. And they both deal with young people who typically have some level of training or powers. And then Batman takes them from the circus. Meanwhile, this fellow puts them in the circus. Yeah. And 
there's just like kind of interesting parallels between like personality traits between the lead character in this and like a Bruce Wayne type of thing. Mm -hmm. And there's parallels between the younger characters and their relationship with the the main character and how the relationship of some of the Bat family has with Bruce. And like there are just interesting parallels that can be drawn a lot in in my yeah. opinion that I yeah, kept yeah. seeing like, oh, she's the Bab she's the Babs. She's the Barbara. Or yeah, yeah. oh, he's the he's the Tim. Like you just see things yeah, and they kind of lay it out in a similar way. I think and the dark tone yeah, felt yeah. very comparable for me. I like um one thing I like that's becoming a trend. You know, we talked about erratic. I was just looking today in an article about um a book called Radiant Black, which is coming from Image pretty soon. Mm. We're in kind of a resurgence of people wanting to tell new superhero stories. Yeah. So there's no like it's not like there's been no superhero indie books coming out but i feel like for the past few years if somebody did a book about superheroes in an indie type of thing it was more like you know a creator own type of environment it was more trying to tell a story that involved superheroes or and by that i mean like trying to make a meta commentary on superheroes or trying to like make jokes that only work if a superhero is involved kind of thing you right. know what i mean like really crass stories about superheroes in like really naughty situations and stuff. Um, or like I said, just trying to tell a story that involves superheroes. So they just like put some placeholders like that one's kind of like Superman. That's the magic one, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, but nowadays I feel like we have a lot of creators coming out trying to tell new, make new superheroes and build new mythos around these stories super people that are around yeah. rather than just so you've got like erratic, you've got radiant black coming up. You've got this one, you've got, uh, commanders in crisis. We talked about on the podcast a while back. I think we did. Yeah, we did. Um, and so you have a lot of these like new, like these creators going to creator own companies where they can, you know, have their full control and trying to make new super people universes. And I, th I think the only real example I can think of of that in recent years, like I said, like that kind of organic, like I'm going to lay the seeds of my superhero universe and watch it grow was uh, Black Hammer from Jeff Lemire over mm. at Dark Horse, um, where he was like, this is my superheroes. This is their story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I don't know if I'm explaining well enough how, like, what I mean by the difference. I just feel like we're seeing more people kind of make superhero stories that they're taking a bit more seriously and being like, these are going to be superheroes. I'm telling stories about these superheroes. And well, I think the big difference is that you don't, like, I feel like a lot of times the, uh, the, kind of origin or whatever of the superheroes is kind of thrown away. It's like, they're just a placeholder. They're just here to be like a super person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so they're not giving a lot of depth to these characters right. beyond like, he's the Superman stand in. He's the dark mysterious one. You know what I mean? Well, and even in regards to that, I feel like there was a falling out of building what would be called superheroes in indie comics. Mm -hmm. And they were leaning towards different ways of telling stories. There was a lot of fantasy books coming out, lots of vampires, lots of werewolves, lots of zombies, lots of like fantasy stuff. And when you did incorporate characters that could be considered like super people, they changed it to such a way like, 
Wicked and the Divine, they made them gods. Yeah. And like yeah. Saga is a different type of story. And like, you know, these people that would otherwise like be considered super people weren't labeled as super people. I feel like comic writers in the indie space were trying to walk away from that type of language and mentality for a while because, I mean, honestly, if we're being completely like real, Marvel and DC were pumping out so many books with so many superheroes that trying to rebuild a new superhero from scratch, you're going to mm. have a lot of competition. It's just, Nowadays, yeah. the books have kind of thinned a little bit. I mean, there's still a ton of superhero books yeah. coming out from both Marvel and DC, but it's not as aggressive. The market's a little bit more open. Like DC has really cut down on their books and Marvel has even cut a little bit to some extent. Yeah, I mean they they say they want to cut, but I don't know if they really do. I think it's 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 dangerous territory going in and writing about superheroes, right? Yeah. And we've talked about this on the show a few times. Like you know, it's hard to find something that's original. It's yeah. really hard to find something that's like fresh and is original. And then you have to take into all the things that make a superhero a superhero. You have to take into costuming. I need yep. to now get with an artist who can design me a costume that's going to stick in the minds of people. Yep. You know, um, you have to take into account villains. you got to give them a good rogue gallery. And then those villains have to be fresh and have like a good character about them, you yep. know. And at the same time, there's an alternate route you can take where you just use what's safe and use what's familiar, but tell new stories off of that. Right. You know. Um, and in a way, that's what this book is doing. It's it's taking, you know, it opens with a very Justice League looking thing. Like, literally, it looks like the Justice League. It's yeah. like there's a Martian, <laughs> you know, there's like an alien that can shapeshift. There's like a magical one. There's the Superman who's shooting beams from his eyes. There's a speedster. They even like, label them as such, like the creepy one, the leadership yeah. one, the, you know, the yeah. shooty one. And like so, they label yeah. them appropriately so that you, you know, immediately know the concept. So it's very familiar, but you have to make, you have to then make those characters kind of like your own thing. You know what I mean? Make them their own characters. So have the Superman not be this like hyper pure Infallible. news reporter kind of thing. You know, because then if you're doing that, then you're more of making a commentary on like a possible story that could happen to Superman, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, we we've seen more and more people kind of taking the time to be like, what would my superhero universe look like? Yeah. You know, what is my super person origins looking like? You know, you've got all these different books kind of refer to powered people in different ways. Like everyone's coming up with creative words and not just being like metas or meta humans or whatever, you know? Um, it makes you wonder if the kind of quarantine break that we were all forced into having influenced this kind of resurgence of independent superheroes because they had time to think about it. Yeah. You know, everybody had time to sit around and consume media and consume yeah. content like i will be talking about soon a new ed brubaker book um and he mentions in his that during quarantine he spent his time reading some pulp books because yeah. he could and like a recent the recent taylor swift released albums they were directly pulled she's like i was watching a movie every day and so i thought how about i make music that's narrative people are able to build these new types of art that they haven't mm -hmm. had time to play with before because all they had was time <laughs> yeah it's true yeah i don't know i i 
I just feel like we're having more people trying to build superhero universes as opposed to just using superheroes as like a backdrop. Yeah. I think that's the best explanation. I think I think that's a really thinking, good way of explaining thinking it. about what I was trying to get at. That's exactly what I'm trying to get at. I feel like we've had plenty of stories where superheroes are used as like a prop. Yeah, they you know? color the world rather yeah, than serve the story. They're a part of the wor- world. They might even be some of the main characters, but they're really just there so that the the narrative or the jokes can have like, you know, right. but we're getting more and more stories where the superheroes themselves and their origins and their lives and their powers and, you know, the world that they live in is is the focus. Absolutely. And I, I went into this one expecting it to be the former and I ended up kind of getting the latter. Yeah. And then there's an awesome story at the end of the Superman character and Santa beating the crap out of Krampus. And it's great. It was really cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun. It, was um, it wasn't as this one wasn't as crass as I went in expecting. So I, I think yeah. that was really for a book called Shit Show. You really think it's going to be like like Scumbag is where it's like very like, woof. yeah, <laughs> you know, Dot the hanky on the floor. Yeah, it's very like, oh my, let me grab my pearls. Um, but it's not that, you know what I mean? Speaking of that. <laughs> See, I don't get that vibe from this one, but I, I from the one you're about to talk to, but I, I yeah, I see where you're going. Red Xmas number one. Yep. Ooh. Uh okay. I enjoyed it. It was interesting. Yep. <laughs> but wowzer bowser i i read so this is one of the rare instances in my opinion where reading the afterword or mm-hmm. the note from the authors i mm-hmm. think helped adjust my perspective of the book and appreciate it more um because the authors um clay adams and alexandra uh philippe Felipe, I'm not sure. Um, they effectively kind of were channeling the like B movie, mm. horror, mm-hmm. you know, dark side of Christmas. And I, I will tell you this: I love a Christmas horror movie. Yeah, that is my jam. Every year on Christmas Eve, we watch a marathon of Christmas horror movies. I have seen probably every Christmas horror movie I have ever been able to get my hands on. You would be hard-pressed to find one that I haven't watched, except for Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, because you can't get it anywhere. It doesn't exist. I saw the third one once, but the fourth one is just not an existence. It eludes me. It's so aggravating. Anyway, Red Xmas... Starts out kind of interesting. You're following a young boy um, who's with a single mom. She is rough and tumble, is a good way to describe her. Mm -hmm. Um, Works for the FBI, I believe. Mm -hmm. And he, all he wants for Christmas is his dad. But his dad was lost to Santa, question mark? We don't entirely understand the context of that yet. The book then proceeds to detail a story of what happens when Santa loses Mrs. Claus. There are scenes in this book that are... I mean, there's... I, there's sexual nature, there's violence, there's gore, yes. there's sudden gore, there's... Uh, 
uh, de- death by sleigh accident. I it's there's a lot going on mm. in this book. Um, I would not call it for the faint of heart. It is definitely one of those more crass shock yeah. value. Yeah. It's kind of like Jackass, the holiday special book. <laughs> yeah. It. Uh. Yeah. Definitely don't <laughs> go into this one expecting like a dickensian romp through holiday themes because that's not what you're that's not what you're getting it It actually it felt to me a lot like what is the one with goldberg santa sleigh santa sleigh it felt like that one for me yes i yeah okay i could see that you know santa going to strip clubs and stuff like that yeah it Um, definitely doesn't take itself seriously which in my opinion is its biggest saving grace because you can tell like, and I think that's where there was a disconnect for me was because I thought it was taking itself seriously up until a part that involves Mr. and Mrs. Claus in a very, uh, uh, compromising un- yes, situation. Um, but, and then I was like, oh, this is one of those. Yeah. Once I understood the context and then was put into more of the context when I read the afterward, it all kind of came together. I'm there. I get it. Yeah. But it is, I feel like I would be best suiting our audience to let them know that it is very much for a very specific type of reader. Yes. It is easily offensive. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You could possibly be offended by this book. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is. It does have some shock value, but uh, it. But at the same time, like some of the more shocking things, like uh, the thing you keep referring to of uh, an intimate moment between Mister and Missus Claus, weren't even as played up as it could have been. Like I've seen worse than these like B horror movies that we watch. You know this what I mean? This is true. And um, it wasn't as like gratuitous or like scumbaggy as like sometimes, and not the comic scumbag, but like you know. It wasn't like Santa's cheating on Mrs. Claus or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it uh it didn't like play it up that much. It was still kind of cute the two of them interacting. You know what I mean? Yes. And um you know, there were other points where I was like, you know, this kind of goes there but doesn't go go there like the really like god, I can't believe they did that B movies do, yeah. which is nice. Yes. There's like one line I can think of that I was a little like, eh, that was a bit too much. You didn't really need that. Um, you know, jokes about molestation aren't really funny in 2020. Um, yeah, there's sorry, a- author, but not cool. Uh, but the rest of it was otherwise just kind of like playful fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, it felt. And I think that's one of the things that kind of struck me in moments is that like most of it felt kind of silly and playful. But mm-hmm. then there were some themes that I'm like, what are you? getting at like what what are you benefiting from inclusion of that joke or that reference there was only that... really yeah there was only really one of those for me but it um yeah it it was the rest of the book it was just kind of like silly b movie silly yeah you know what i mean yeah so um i'm excited to see more too because i'm excited to see santa go on a killing spree and yeah and I really think go to town. I believe from <laughs> what I read, this is going to come out in like a, like it's, a yeah, trade. It's it's a nonstop. So it's part of Scout's nonstop imprint 
I guess you would call it. But what they do with the non-stops is that they release one issue. It's the first issue. It's by itself gives you a little taste. And then they release the whole thing as a trade. So yeah. there aren't more issues of this. There's just the trade. Which um, makes sense since we're almost at Christmas. Yeah. So, But if you're interested, pick up Red Xmas. If you're interested enough, then wait for the trade to come out and pick it up. Get the whole thing. Yeah. See what happens. Anyway, I think that'll do it for us this yeah. this episode. 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 Um, if you want more Cover B, you can find us on our website, coverbpodcast.com. And if you are interested in news and memes and uh, fan art and funny jokes and mm-hmm. silly comics, we are on Facebook and Twitter at Cover B Podcast. Uh, just an announcement. Next Saturday, we probably won't have an episode out unless something comes out that just blows the two of us away and we can make time to do an episode. Uh, it's Christmas is on Friday. Um, Christmas Eve is Thursday. We're going to be busy, 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 busy. So we don't really have time. So we're probably going to take next Saturday off. That said, we will, we are going to try to have an episode coming out on Wednesday and the following Wednesday for you guys. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Yes. Um, if you are listening to this on the day of release, right as you are listening to this, we are actually live streaming on December 19th. Mm-hmm. We are doing an all day streamathon on our Twitch channel, Tink Tink Games. We are raising funds for Extra Life and Children's Miracle Network. So if you would like to help us support a good cause and come and say hi, take a break after this episode and come pop yep. in and come and see yep. us. We will be streaming from 11 a.m. till question mark. Woo! Uh, and that is Tink Tink Games, T I N K T I N K Games at twitch.tv. Correct. Um, and then I had one other thing I was going to say, and I don't remember what I know I look handsome tonight. You don't have to say it. It's fine. That wasn't it. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? Um, maybe I don't have anything else to say. Well, then, if that's the case, we will catch you back here for the next episode. Of Cover B. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys.